0: This morning, I'd like you to take a couple of seconds and think about the many needs that you have. Think about the, maybe, financial need. Maybe the health issue that you have. uh, Maybe the relationship problem that you're experiencing. Think about the different needs that you have in life. And I'd like you to categorize them or rank them from most important to least. And as you do that... I wonder if you would rank these needs as God would rank them. This morning, our passage points us to our greatest need, our most important need. And it reveals to us the way that God sees our most important need and what he has done to fulfill this greatest need. So, I'm going to invite you to please turn with me to Mark chapter 2. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And if you are using a Black Pew Bible in front of you, you can find that on page 837. 837. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, our main point for this morning is this. To receive forgiveness, you must come to Jesus and receive it by faith. To receive forgiveness, you must come to Jesus and receive it by faith. And this morning, Mark wants us to know three things from our passage And these will be the three points that we will be tackling this morning. First, Jesus knows your greatest need. Jesus knows your greatest need. Second, Jesus is able to fulfill it. Jesus is able to fulfill it. And third, Jesus offers it as a gift. Jesus offers it as a gift. And we will be... Uh, walking through these one by one uh, this morning. Now, Mark tells us about a time when a paralytic man was taken to Jesus by his four friends and found themselves unable to do so. This took place at what was most likely the house of Peter, which was uh, Jesus' headquarter for ministry. Now, Mark gives us details of this experience to draw us into this um, into this story. So imagine a crowd of people crammed up into this house, so much so that the doors were blocked and people that wanted to come in couldn't come in anymore because there were so many people and they all wanted to come and hear and see Jesus preach. Now, as Jesus was preaching, he was interrupted. So imagine you here listening to Jesus preach and all of a sudden you feel some dirt falling on your forehead. On your head. And you you start saying, what is that? You look behind you and you find out that it wasn't the person behind you. You look up and you notice that there's dirt um, or wood and ashes and stuff falling down. Uh, and you're wondering, what is that? I can imagine Jesus pausing his sermon as they all look up to see what was going on up there. And all of a sudden, the people that were present noticed four men removing pieces of the roof and soon after they begin to see four heads not only that but then they start to lower a bed down so picture a bed coming down here right now in front of everybody you would be like what in the world is going on jesus noticed everything that these men um, did in order to get to him jesus knew that it was crowded So as they were lowering him, Jesus got ready to say something that was going to cause some tension in the room. Actually, a lot of tension. When the man laid in front of Jesus, Jesus looked at the man with love and affection and said, Son, your sins are forgiven. How do you think you would have responded if this were you um, in the room? How do you think you would have responded if you were one of the four men? Or if you were the paralytic? If these were the first words that you heard, Sons, your sins are forgiven. The paralytic's friends were probably asking themselves, Forgiven? Did he say forgiven? I thought we brought him here to be healed. Is he going to heal him? What's this forgiveness business? But Mark tells us that there, were, that there were also scribes sitting in the room that day. And if you were here a few weeks ago when we walked through Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28, we looked at Jesus' healing of a demon-possessed man in a synagogue. And this was one of the first miracles that Jesus had performed, which led to, the, to his fame spreading everywhere. Uh, some of the other gospel writers give us more information and tell us that these religious leaders that were present... Um, had come from different villages in Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. So it's possible that these scribes that were present came out of curiosity to see what Jesus uh, was preaching and uh, who he was. These scribes were about to witness God in the flesh, along with everyone that was present. So Jesus told the paralytic man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now these are some of the sweetest words that anyone could ever hear. And Mark wants us to know three things. The first thing that Mark wants us to know is that Jesus knows your greatest need. If you're here this morning, you don't need for me to explain what it feels like to have needs. You and I are experienced in this area, even though it may look different for each of us. Some of us here this morning may be struggling financially to pay the bills and are in need of uh, higher income, other of us others of us may feel like we are lonely and we 're in need of a companion, someone to spend time with, someone to understand us, someone to go out and and uh, have fun with. still, others of us may have bodies that are failing and are in need of some medicine or some new discovery that would fix our body so that we would feel better again, so that we would be able to have a better um, Uh, better rest at night. If you feel like maybe you don't have these kinds of needs, I'm sure that you know someone who does have these needs and you've witnessed what they go through. You've probably heard the things that they experience. So we're all familiar with being needy people. Now imagine what it was like to be the paralytic. Here was a man who couldn't do anything for himself. He most likely needed people to feed him because he couldn't get up and walk to the fridge. He couldn't clothe himself because he couldn't walk to the dresser. And we see in our passage that he needed these four men to carry him and take him to Jesus. So he couldn't take care of himself because he was paralyzed. Now, if you've ever worked in health care uh, in the field or have ever taken care of a family member or friend in need of care, you know that it requires a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of resources. So if we look at the paralytic, we would think that this man's greatest need was to be healed, right? At least we can picture that's why this man's friend took him to see Jesus. Maybe they were tired of carrying him from one place to another. Maybe he was... um, you know, messing up their plans, and they're like, yeah, let's take him to Jesus. Jesus can heal him. Word had traveled throughout the region that Jesus was a man who who not only taught with authority, but also healed all kinds of people. So it makes sense that they believed that Jesus could heal their friend. So they took this paralytic to Jesus. Now, I want to draw your attention to verse 5, where it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Why would Jesus say this? You know, if you're visiting us this morning and are unfamiliar with Christianity, you may be confused as to why Jesus did this. You may be thinking, wouldn't it have made more sense for the man to be healed so that he could be independent? If this man's physical health had been restored, he would be able to care for himself, get a job, not be dependent on government funding, maybe even help others contribute to society. Now, while this may be true, Jesus shows us what our greatest need is. So let me ask you something. What good would it have done for this man to be healed physically, but still be sick Spiritually. Jesus says, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And he says that in Mark 9, 36. In other words, What good would it do this man to be healed, only to be a healthy man walking towards the coming judgment for his sins? The Bible teaches that, Man was created by God and was created to live in good and perfect relationship with Him. But God, but man sinned against God by rejecting Him and His good care and rule. And in doing so, man earned for himself God's righteous judgment, which means being separated from God for an eternity in hell. Therefore, man's greatest need is not to attain one's desires, one's greatest goals, one's greatest ambitions, for one's favorite basketball team to win the NBA championship, even though we're down 1-0. Man's greatest need is to be made right with God. Because it does us no good to have the things that we want in this world, to have the money that we want in our bank account, to have the degrees that we desire, to have our relationships be perfect, if at the end of the day, we are still enemies of God and are walking towards the coming judgment. Guilty. This, friends, is great news. And it's part of the gospel that God offers to all today. So you see, as the great physician that Jesus is, He was correctly diagnosing the illness. This man's greatest need, right then and there, was not for his physical body to be healed, but instead for his soul to be healed. It's important for us to know this because this is the message that Jesus came to proclaim, as we see that He came doing in Mark 1.15. So if you turn your, page, your Bible, your page over 1 to your left... There in Mark one fifteen, we read that Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of God and saying this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And we see that Jesus is doing this very thing here in chapter 2, verse 2. We read that many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And Jesus was preaching the word to them. There are some quote-unquote gospels today that would take this paralytic's encounter with Jesus and teach that the man's greatest need was financial help so that he could be provided for, so that he wouldn't have to depend on his friends. Maybe he needed financial help to buy himself an electric wheelchair so he could come to God asking for financial um, uh, blessings. But the problem, friends, is that If we have a wrong diagnosis, we will be prescribed the wrong hope. Wrong gospels will point to wrong saviors. And this is not what the Bible teaches though we know that God cares for us in many ways, and sometimes, and many times, actually, does, He does choose to care for us financially, and emotionally, and with friendships, and He provides these different things, ultimately, the, these things are not our greatest need. Our greatest need is to be forgiven by God, and to be in right standing with Him. So, does this mean that God does not care about our problems? Does he not care about broken families? Is he not interested in the fact that we may be struggling financially or in different ways? Well, of course God cares. But what our passage teaches us today is that these are not our primary needs. Our primary and greatest need is to be right with God. And we see this in the way that Jesus responds to the paralytic. The very first thing that he said or that Jesus addressed was his spiritual condition. Now, did you know that sometimes having problems can be a gift from God? Yes, you heard me right, I said that. Sometimes, God allows bad things or problems to come into our lives or to take place in our lives now, that doesn't mean that God is the originator of sickness or bad things. But God allows these things, the effects of the fall, the effects of sin, to come into our lives so that we would turn to Him, so that we would see our dependence on Him. Think about the times that you that you spend time with God, that you seek God. Don't you seek God more when you are in some kind of trouble, some kind of problem, than when everything is okay? Isn't it easy to feel like we don't need as much as God when everything is peaceful and quiet? But all of a sudden when a storm hits, we turn to God and we are seeking for Him even more? Sometimes the Lord allows this in His kindness, in His wisdom, in His sovereignty, so that we would turn to Him, so that we would see that He is God, that He cares for us, that He provides for us, but also so that we would know that our greatest need in this world are not the, uh, the, the temporal things of this world, but it is God Himself. For those of us that are Christians today, there was a time and a day where we came to an end of ourselves. For some of us, the Lord met us despite our rebellion. He used the consequences of our sin to lead us to Him and saved us. So we have experience in this or we've heard of testimonies like this. And Mark doesn't name the cause of this man's illness or of his um, paralysis, but what he does help us see is that the Lord used it to drive him and his friends to Jesus, which resulted in this man's salvation. So no matter what you may be experiencing right now, if you're a Christian, you can trust that the Lord is able to use your present circumstances to continue leading you to Him so that you would see that He is God and that He is your greatest need. So the first thing that Mark wants us to know is that this man's greatest need is was to be forgiven of sins against his sin of rejecting God. The second thing that Mark wants us to know is that Jesus is able to fulfill it. He is able to fulfill our greatest need. One of the things that Mark does in his gospel is that he helps us see the authority of Jesus. For example, in Mark 1, 21-28, he tells us of how Jesus' teaching was filled with authority. How he exercises authority over unclean spirits and they obeyed. And if you continue reading in chapter 1, we see that Jesus had authority over the sick. And in our passage today, we find that Jesus exercises his authority to forgive sins and his authority over some of the religious elite that were present um, that day. Now, the Bible tells us that there were scribes present, that they were sitting there um, on that day. And these were men who were in charge of copying the scriptures. So these were men who knew the scriptures, who knew what the scriptures say, and As soon as Jesus declared the forgiveness of this man's sins, we see that the scribes begin to question in their hearts saying, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 6 and 7. Mark tells us of Jesus' authority to forgive by also telling us about His power to heal. Jesus demonstrated His authority In the invisible realm, or in the invisible spiritual realm, by displaying his power in the visible, physical one. Now, it's ironic that the very thing that the scribes were questioning Jesus about, his authority, and by extension, his identity, was quickly revealed as Jesus displayed his omniscience, his ability to know all things. And in this case, it was revealing the secret thoughts of the scribes. I would have been freaked out if I said something in my heart and all of a sudden you turn next to me and say, What did you just say? Did you just say X, Y, and C? I'd be like, Who are you? But these men, the, the secret thoughts of their hearts were revealed by Jesus and they were revealed accurately. This should have been enough for them to recognize who Jesus was. But Jesus continued to prove who he was by asking them the questions in verse 9. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk? Now on one hand, for a religious teacher, it would be easier to say, Your sins are forgiven. Because who would dare go against someone who speaks on God's behalf. Also, there would be no real way to verify this forgiveness other than taking the the religious teacher's word for it or to base this forgiveness on the emotion of the person receiving the forgiveness. On the other hand, it would be harder to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk, because it would require immediate evidence. If the person were not healed, the one declaring it would be revealed as a fraud. Now, if we think about it, humanly speaking, both of these sayings are impossible because, one, no one has the authority to forgive someone else's sins. And two, no one has the power to heal a paralytic with their words. That is, unless you're Jesus... So in asking the questions in verses 9 and 10, Jesus was teaching them two things. The first thing that He was teaching them was, God alone can forgive. So if you offended me, I would be in the position to forgive you. I would be able to say, guys, I forgive you. Don't worry, we're at peace. But if you offended someone other than me, I wouldn't be able to represent them and say, Oh, don't worry, I forgive you. Because I am not the person that's being offended. Or that has been offended. None of us would be able to do that. The only way that Jesus could offer forgiveness of sins is if our sins were committed against Jesus. And if Jesus were God. So Jesus knew that the scribes were thinking in their hearts, Who can forgive sins but God alone? But notice that Jesus did not correct them. He didn't say, well, actually, let me explain this to you. What I meant was, God forgives you. So you see, I speak on behalf of God, and I'm declaring to you His forgiveness. I'm not blaspheming. No. Instead, Jesus continued by revealing His identity by demonstrating His identity and His power. So Jesus continued to provide His deity by claiming the title, The Son of Man, in verse 10, which says, So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. This was one of the titles that Jesus commonly referred to himself as. And it comes from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, where Daniel was given a vision of the coming Messiah, the one who would be sent by God, who would come in the clouds with all dominion and glory and an everlasting kingdom, one in which all the people would serve him. So for Jesus to identify Himself as the Son of Man was because they knew what He meant. Jesus was claiming to be God's promised one, the promised Messiah, the one who fulfilled God's prophecy of saving His people. Jesus was also teaching them that man alone is accountable to God. If man has offended God then man is accountable to God. Jesus as Son of Man also pointed to Him as the God-Man, not only fully God, but also fully man. The title is one that emphasized Jesus' suffering and His coming death on behalf of man for all who would repent and believe. And this was necessary because He would represent men before God. Jesus was fully man yet without sin according to the Bible. He would bear the penalty for man's sins on the cross. So any of us could try to offer up our lives to gain forgiveness for others, but it would not be acceptable to God because we are all contaminated by sin. This is why the Bible warns that all who reject God and don't repent and turn to Jesus will be judged and pay with their life in eternal separation from God because we cannot fix our problem. It took Jesus' perfect life, his perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins. And only Jesus can save because he was sinless. His death is the only one acceptable to God. And Jesus offered up his life on the cross to forgive all who turned to him. So Jesus, being God, has been given authority to forgive sins. Because Jesus himself is God. So we've seen that Mark wants us to know that man's greatest need is to be forgiven of sins against God. And second, Jesus is able to forgive sins because he is God. And the third thing Mark wants us to know is, Jesus offers forgiveness as a gift. Now, gifts are oftentimes hard to receive, especially when we know that we don't deserve them. The reason for it is that we feel like we have to do something to earn these things. I remember the times that I would offend my mom by doing something that she specifically told me not to do. And after asking for forgiveness, she would forgive me. She would say, it's okay, I forgive you. And I would walk around the house thinking, did she really forgive me? Nah, she didn't. I better hurry up and do something to make up for it. Maybe I should go wash her car. Maybe I should wash the dishes. Maybe I should throw out the trash. And I would try to do these things to secure her forgiveness by doing something that... trying to do things that she had already forgiven me for. And we all tend to do something similar to this. In some cultures, like Hispanic culture, for example, when someone receives a gift... It's normal for the person receiving the gift to make a mental note of the value of the gift so that they can return the same gift of uh, equal value or greater. And I always found this weird, but I found myself doing it too. But the thing is, when we do these things, when we try to pay back gifts with other gifts, what we're doing is we're being proud we're saying, I don't need your gift. I can buy it or earn it myself. I'll repay you for it. Well, the Bible describes God and His forgiveness. It's, uh, when the Bible describes God and His forgiveness, it's oftentimes directly related to God's grace. And grace means favor that we don't deserve. It's something that's given to us that cannot be earned. And the paralytic in this story had received Jesus' grace on that day that he was carried to him. Presumably, the man did not clean himself up before going to Jesus. He didn't go to physical therapy and say, Okay, Jesus, I've done my part. I've exercised my muscles. Now I'm ready to be healed. I'm ready to walk again. Mark doesn't tell us that the man told him of all of the things that he had done before coming like giving his offerings or keeping God's word. Mark tells us that when the man was lowered, he didn't even it's not even recorded that the man said anything. Jesus looked at the man with compassion and affection, addressing him as son and granted him the forgiveness of sin that he desperately needed. So here here was a man who was desiring to walk again, but instead was granted to live again. Jesus gave him what he really needed, which was to be reconciled to him by the forgiveness of his sins. The man did not earn his salvation. He could not earn his salvation. The only thing that he could offer was his lame body. So when we look at our passage, the only thing that led him to be forgiven of his sins, if you look there at verse 5, was this. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now it's uncertain whether Jesus was referring to the faith of the friends or of the faith of the man. But some scholars believe that Jesus was referring to the faith of all five of them. And we can see how this is possible. Because it took faith in Jesus for the four men to carry the paralytic to Jesus. It took faith to not give up when they saw that the house was crowded and that they would not be able to go near or get near. It took faith to plan and act on their plan to go up onto the roof, remove the tiles and lower the body so that the man could come to see Jesus. It would also take faith for the man to be asked to be taken to Jesus. It would take faith to entrust himself to be taken to Jesus. The man who claimed to be God. The man who was able to heal. It took faith to go along for the ride and let himself be carried to Jesus. So Mark doesn't tell us whose faith he saw exactly. But what's important here is that Jesus noticed their faith. And that is what qualified the man to receive forgiveness. We must remember that those who have rejected Jesus can do nothing to earn His forgiveness. None of us here this morning who have received Jesus' forgiveness earned His forgiveness. We can't earn it. We can't pay Him back for it. We can only receive Jesus' forgiveness by faith. And what does it mean to have faith or to believe? Because this is the message that Jesus was preaching, as we mentioned, and we looked at earlier in Mark 1.15, that Jesus came calling people to repent and believe in the gospel. Well, I like the way one pastor puts it. And he says that faith is reliance. Faith is a rock-solid truth grounded in the risen Jesus to save you from your sin. In other words, faith is to take God at His word. If God says it, then you can put your trust in it because He is good for it. In our case this morning, God offers free forgiveness to all who turn away from their sin and have faith in His provision for peace, which is found in Jesus Christ alone. When you put your faith in Jesus, you're trusting that Jesus will represent you before God. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are trusting that Jesus will be our substitute before God. That He has exchanged His righteousness for our sinfulness. And that He took it upon Himself on the cross. Not because we earned it. Not because we're good. But because He willingly laid His life down for all who would turn from their sins and trust in Him. And He offers this as a free gift. A gift of grace. And proof that one has faith in Him will be evident in a transformed lifestyle as you begin to look different than you did before you came to Jesus. Another thing we want to note is that because forgiveness of sins comes from God, God gets all the glory. We see that in verse 12 we see that after Jesus declared the man healed, the man immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. No one praised the four men. The paralytic didn't run away saying, I healed myself, look at what my good works have done. Everyone praised and glorified God because they knew that God was the one who had worked in their midst. That Jesus was God and that he had healed this man. So when Jesus healed this man, at the same time he had forgiven this man. And the visible proof was there to give evidence to the invisible, which Jesus had declared. So they were all amazed and glorified, saying, we never saw anything like this. We are all saved by grace through faith alone. But faith will always be demonstrated by obedience to Christ. When Jesus declared the man to be healed, the man obeyed and did what he was told. He got up, he took his bed, and he went home. The four friends acted on their faith in Jesus by taking the paralytic to Jesus, believing that he was able to do what people were claiming him to do. This is what Christians do. We act on the words that Jesus speaks. We act, we obey his word. We trust Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and we walk in obedience. According to how he walks us, how he calls us to live. We walk in obedience to His Word. If you're not a Christian and you're joining us this morning, this may be something that's hard to believe. You can ask God to help you believe. You can talk to Him and ask Him to help you believe in this Jesus. If you have questions about Him, the Bible You can walk through the Bible and it will answer your questions. You can ask myself, Pastor Jeremy, the person who brought you this morning, if you have any questions about the gospel, about the forgiveness of sins that is available to you today by repenting of your sins and turning to Christ. The Bible tells us that we must trust in God and His provision for the forgiveness of our sins, which is found in Jesus. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, to those who acknowledge their need for Him and come to Him, He grants. Um, he's the one who grants us the faith to believe. So God calls you and all of us who have not believed in Jesus to repent of our trust uh, of our sin and trust in Jesus. And if you do so today, you can hear the sweet words of Jesus saying to you, "Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven." And I want to make one last observation. Do you praise God for faithful friends that He has blessed you with here in the local church? Friends who will use their faith to point you to Jesus? We see here that the paralytic had four friends who had faith that Jesus could heal him, and they took him to Jesus. So here at First Baptist Church, the Lord has blessed us with a family of friends who have faith, who when we may be struggling to believe, can point us to Jesus. So are you thankful to God for faithful friends whose faith, who have used their faith to point you back to Jesus, to trust Him and to see your greatest need? Are you available to serve others in the church? to use your faith to build others up and point them to Jesus so that you would see that He is our greatest need when we are struggling in this world. Praise God that He blesses us with these blessings, first with faith, but also with brothers and sisters who also have this faith, who are there to carry us and help us move towards Jesus so that we would come to glorify Him and praise Him for who He is and what He's done. So our passage this morning helps us see that our greatest need is peace with God, which is offered by being forgiven of our sins through faith in Jesus. And Jesus is able to offer forgiveness because He is fully man and fully God. And we see that this forgiveness is offered to us by believing in Jesus and trusting in Him for the forgiveness of our sins and receiving it by grace alone. These three things show us that there are two kinds of people and two kinds of responses. The kind that are like the scribes who were skeptical of Jesus and rejected him, who did not see their need for forgiveness, or the four men and the paralytic who trusted Jesus that he was able to do what only God could do. I pray that we would be responding like the men with faith, trusting that Jesus is able. To forgive, of us, uh, forgive us of our sins. May we all respond like the paralytic and trusting Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for being a forgiving God. We acknowledge that we have all sinned against you by rejecting you, your words, your commandments. Father, we thank You, though, that You are a merciful God, a gracious and compassionate God who is ready, able, and willing to forgive all who would repent of our sins and turn to Your provision, Jesus Christ, Your Son who lived and died so that we would no longer have to bear the punishment for our sins. Father, we praise You for Jesus and for His life and for His willingness to come and save us. Lord, we pray that You would work in us that our faith would be strengthened, that we would continue to trust you and take you at your word, that we would not try to earn our salvation, but that we would rest and trust that you are a faithful God who fulfills his promises, as we have seen on the cross, that you sent your son Jesus to seek and to save all who would turn to him. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.